I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey everyone, the live show is this Saturday, February 27th. Go to creeklic.com for more information. Henry's back in town. Our first one in a couple of months coming out. We'll see you there. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. If Obama killed Scalia, why didn't he just leave a, like a naked dead boy in there with him as well? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they ran out. Yeah. And like a fake diary just being like Filipino cum. It's like, oh, please cover my pop tart. Agent, Agent Roger, you bought the, you brought the dead boy, right? God. God <laughs> damn it, Agent Roger. You're off the force. I left it at the Popeyes. All right. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel, as always, staring at the beautiful Marcus Parks. Hey, hey. With us finally back from disgusting Los Angeles. Ah, you know, I was trying to fake the 9-11 crash, but then I was going to drop off the passports <laughs> next to the World Trade Center, but oh god, I left it at the Dunkin' Donuts. All uh-huh. these slippery fingers of mine. <laughs> is that what you were discussing while you were there speaking with models and things like that? Oh yeah, making money. I think you were making less friends somehow. Yes. You went there with zero friends and you came back with negative five friends. No, uh, I spent a great time with uh, Mary and Andrew Parker. Uh, we went out and we saw the Nicole Brown Simpson house and it was, I'll say fun. We yeah, had fun. Sure. But then we showed up. So we showed up to the Nicole Brown Simpson house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were looking for the proper address. Right. Uh, and uh, so we're sitting there and we're like, okay, should we take some pictures? And we're like, okay, yeah, we're going to pose like, you know, Nicole Brown. We're going to pose like Ron Like the Goldman. two victims of a m- murder. Heinous they were, murder. We're yeah, having fun. Okay. Oh, we're having fun. <laughs> and then all of a sudden this woman comes out of her car. We're like, okay, we're about to get shut down. And it was just so, some normal kind of suburbanite woman, like full done, full updo, like dressed like she just come from the office. She was just like, she's like, which one of these is the Nicole Brown Simpson house? <laughs> oh we're like, my this God. is awesome. We're all like this. <laughs> it is so nice. The world treats de- death with such respect yeah <laughs> anyway time for dean coral part three well before we get back into the story of dean coral we're going to talk a little bit about sexual sadism oh is that it was it's sadist 
Say I knew it. it was sexual sadist, but I was no. thinking about my life. No, never do that. You, oh. are, you are a sexual sadist. Oh, I see. And I think that's a really good name for your comedy album. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> well, sexual sadism is defined as a paraphilia in which the experience of causing extreme pain, suffering, or humiliation gives the sadist sexual pleasure. Now, a paraphilia is a, set of, a sexual predilection that is outside the normal, quote-unquote, boundaries of sexuality, correct? A fetish. Yes. Uh, the DSM-5 uh, defines, I think, four or five different paraphilias as a separate mental illness, sadism, uh, exhibitionism, pedophilia is another one, and then the uh, the sixth one is all other philias. What's the DSM-5? The DSM-5 is the handbook for mental illness. Yeah, it's like the guidebook. It's if, if you're cuckoo or not. Basically, it goes as a checklist. Like, if you go in and you're like, I uh, see a talking rabbit, it tells me to illustrate itself, and I also I hear radio noises in my head, and I also I have high I have night sweats. They'll be like, "Well, mm. you also don't have oh, you don't think your feet are too big? You're not quite as schizophrenic, <laughs> right? You have to go through. You have to like do right. like like, like there will be like nine symptoms of schizophrenia, and you'd have to get like five to be then clinically schizophrenic. For what you just described, I think they flip to the uh, to the C's, and you're a cartoonist, yes. which is kind of exciting. <laughs> Turns out you're just really artistic. That's the plots of the movie Harvey. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Now, while the behavior of the vast majority of sadists are ultimately harmless, as they're usually able to confine their behavior to consensual experiences with other adults, when combined with antisocial personality disorder, sexual sadism can be responsible for almost unimaginable cruelty. Think BTK. Mm -hmm. uh, BTK is a perfect example of a uh, sexual sadist that also has antipersonality disorder. These people, they're, it's pretty much any sort of conscious or any sort of conscience is wiped completely clean right. with them. Well, that's the problem with even saying sadism is harmless is because it so quickly can escalate because mm. you're basically you're looking at people that discover from a very young age, literally as young as four years old, that signs of pain make them sexually aroused. And once that starts, because think about this, it's been like, I used to, to use a, a normal, I guess, quote-unquote normal, a cisgendered idea. This is fun. Is that a fun no, I hate use? the word. No, but fun? it's fine. Go um, on. But I, uh, you know, like when, the first time I jerked off was to Jenny McCarthy on a TV guide. Hmm. And now I can walk past a TV guide without jerking off easy. You know what's so amazing is that you were constantly making sigils and you didn't even know it because now you're on television. Boom. Boom. So you jerk off on a TV guide at a young age. 15, 20 years later, you get to have a some professional shows. television, right. a television comedian. That's, um, that's correct. But the idea is that, like, so any normal human being, your fantasies escalate. So now it's just mm -hmm. like, I like physical sex with a human being because that is what like my like. But this is also, to your point about escalation, this is why people in the BDSM community have such strict rules. Yeah. Uh, for people that participate that don't know, you think it's all free, willy-nilly and good times. It's actually very strict. And someone that has an antisocial personality mixed with sadistic tendencies, like the, the biggest problem, there's a Documentary watch, I believe, is called "Interview with a Sexual Sadist." Is that what it's called? Actually, it's uh, it's called "Truth, Lies, and Sex Offenders and Sadistic versus Non-Sadistic Sex Offenders," created by Anna Salter. And mm. if you watch this, I mean, first of all, good luck trying to have sex afterwards. <laughs> yeah, or during. I mean, <laughs> yeah. good lord, yeah. it is. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty intense. And we'll, we're going to sh show some clips from that. But the, the these people literally have no. Empathy. Mm. They they cannot feel empathy because the the idea of empathy would disturb them getting a, a boner. So the other thing about the sexual sadist is fantasy. 
fantasy plays a gigantic part in sexual sadism. Uh, most of them, the fantasy, it stops at pornography, uh, writing, sadistic stories, drawing, sadistic type of situations. Mm. Uh, but some take it into the realm of rape and murder. It's really interesting. Someone was talking about the natural escalation of sadism in, in a child, and they say the way they know it is that, like, you know, they would cry a lot as a baby, and then obviously when the baby's, like, crying for attention, it was, like, this weird thing where they would, like, they would pick up the baby a lot, and it would it would start like that, where and it would all of a sudden just stop crying and just eerily stare at you. And then the other thing is stuff like watching kids draw on, like, pictures of nude women. that They would show them, it's like, once they started, like, like in juvenile centers, like, kids that were convicted of violence crimes they were giving them pictures of uh of women like like either like women or men and be like you know draw how you feel like how do you like you know like do, what, what do these make you feel and they would draw a woman covered in chains chains wrapped around her ankles and her like wrists and shit like that it starts at like six 53 percent of males who are sexual sadists they report an interest in sexual sadism before the act of 15 it definitely comes on very early and then once the sex sadist has crossed the line from just fantasy into rape and or murder it is extremely difficult if not impossible for them to stop and it only increases mm. uh, we have a sound clip here from a professed sexual sadist pedophile he's uh, gonna talk to us about escalation and a warning this is extremely rough I had been fantasizing about killing a victim during the course of, of rape or molest about five or six months, uh, all during the course of the molestation of my stepson when I was using the Ziploc or the plastic bag over his head. Uh, I had fantasized, thought about killing him, letting him go ahead and suffocate during the process of the molestation. Uh, I believe it would have been maybe as short as another month or two, and I would have actually killed him if I was not arrested. And I was just sad that my dad didn't come to my baseball game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that is rough. It's yeah. rough to joke. Uh, it's very that. rough to joke about. I mean, this uh, guy, if you if you watch the full interview with him, it's about 10 minutes long. He talks about... Uh, he had over 300 victims. Yes, he is uh, and a, had, truly a monster. And then you also, yeah. like, the way he talks, too, which is very chilling, is is how distanced he has made himself from mm. his crimes. And when he's talked about what he did to his stepson, it's it's absolutely, it's it's mind-boggling. It's so cruel. It's it's, mm. it's horrifying. Oh. And we're going to see the same train of thought in Dean Coral, which yeah. is why we wanted to start here. Because Marcus and I were talking for a while about, like, like, like Dean Coral is is an, is a now a prototype of a type of killer. Like, mm. we see with John Wayne Gacy, we see it's like these boy killers, these guys that, like, kill for the rush of it. Because yeah. um, that's what they describe in this yeah. interview. And and in other interviews with other pedophiles and sadistic uh, sexual uh, criminals in that interview, they talk about the buzz they get from sure. doing the action is something that they can't replace with drugs. And we were like, why Why would Dean Coral do it? As far as the escalation goes, Dean Coral is very similar, or at least one investor investigator believes that Dean Coral is very similar to John Wayne Gacy. Because John Wayne Gacy, as we know pretty much accidentally killed a boy. And with Dean Coral, one investigator believes that Dean Coral's first murder was probably a cover-up because 
a lot of pedophiles, they tend to take great care to not make any sort of physical mark upon the victim. Because there's also two different types of the, uh, sexual offender when it comes to pedophilia, which is sadistic and non-sadistic. The non-sadistic a lot of times believes because it comes from a chain of molesting, they've been molested as to children and they believe that's the only way they, that was the only time they ever received love. Right. And so they view their act as an act of love, where a sadistic criminal like Dean Coral like believes that the, that, that it's the pain is what they're going for. Right. But they can also yeah. eventually justify themselves by saying that the pain is what the kids want. Yes. Like they can eventually get to a point where they have to lie to themselves so much to be able to still do this that they have to say, it's like, well, he's not really screaming. Yeah. Like he's screaming, but he's, it's not really hurting. It's him. like going to the gym. Yeah. Or giving a kid black <laughs> licorice when they look, they look disgusted and sad, but you're like, they love it. It's really sweet. They can't get enough of black licorice. Sure. Do All you right. do this? No, I don't do any of this. <laughs> well, what they think is that possibly uh, Dean, every time he was molesting boys, and we know that he was molesting boys all throughout, uh, and each time these sadistic urges were getting bigger and stronger every single time he was doing it, and one time he possibly went too far, left a noticeable mark, killed the boy to hide the crime, and found out that not only did he very much like it, but he got away with it. Yes, exactly. And then what we always talk about with every serial killer is that he, now all of the permissions that he had built into his life to uh, then just force himself into being a serial killer allowed him to do it. And then he finally was just like, okay, now I can like finally be me. Yeah. Now that I've I've honed my voice. Right. He can go direct the next X-Men movie. Yes. <laughs> Hollywood, Hollywood will love him. That's where Dean Coral should have gone. Now let's get back to Dean Coral's story. And now is when we're going to bring in uh, Dean Coral's second and much more valuable accomplice, Wayne Henley, or Elmer Wayne Henley Jr., if you want to get real text. He Let's doesn't like him. the Elmer. He does. He <laughs> cut the Elmer afterwards. I'm going to say he made the right choice. Wayne That's... Henley's a much better stage name. <laughs> Wayne Henley is, sounds like you're in a band. You have wavy hair. You constantly drive in a Corvette. Elmer Wayne Henley? Sounds like an accomplice to a child murderer. <laughs> or a pig in the backseat. Like, literally not even a person. No, Wayne, he was originally supposed to be a victim. David Brooks, who you'll remember from the last episode as Dean Coral's first accomplice, had been friends with Wayne for years, and Wayne fit the victim profile to a T. Buck teeth rangy, wearing Wranglers. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, he had sp- long blonde hair, which is true, and then uh, and then one, and a happy trail. <laughs> kind of looked like Mitch Hedberg, huh? Yes. <laughs> now, Wayne, for Wayne Henley, early r- life was rough, but not the worst that we've ever covered. His mother was strict, but not unreasonably so. His father was an abusive drunk, but not that abusive. Uh, and the father left when Wayne was in junior high. Mm. Uh, He also got in trouble with the law here and there. He had a breaking and entering charge along with assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, And like a lot of other serial killers, like Jeffrey Dahmer, Wayne was pretty hardcore alcoholic, hardcore teenage alcoholic. But unlike most of them, Wayne was extremely popular, which made him Mm. just the absolute perfect accomplice for Dean. Because you remember how we described Houston last time as just being like a, there was roving gangs of kids everywhere, just kind of hanging out. And Wayne was the kind of guy that could travel between a bunch of different packs of kids. Like, and he knew everybody. And being a raging alcoholic in Texas as a youth, you're just 
a Texas youth, right? I mean, he didn't stand out as the particular. He wasn't the most drunk one at the party. Well, no. that's what uh, to the Hilligeist family said that the, how they that's how they noticed Wayne Henley walking around. It said he was always dr- drunkenly kind of like wandering back right. and forth between houses, going like, "Hi, Mrs. Hilligeist. I hope you're having a good day." And it's just like that's right. that was his hobby. Was drunkenly swaying well, and that's <laughs> down why, the street. That's why what Dean Coral did is actually quite remarkable because it's extremely difficult to kill and shoot people in Texas because they're always zigzagging. Yes. <laughs> so it's tough. It's tough to hit them. Now, even though David was bringing in victims here and there for Dean Coral, the problem with David is that most people didn't really like him. Like this is what one fellow teenager said about David Brooks. He wasn't somebody we hung around with or wanted to hang around with. He wasn't all that nice. He didn't talk that much. You just see him driving around the neighborhood in his vet. He never had huffing huffing gas. Oh man, what a loser! <laughs> I had a huff of gas is easy to get. You can get it anywhere. I just literally I can stick my head underneath the muffler of a car as it's just idling. And I'll get high as a biscuit. <laughs> and biscuits get pretty high in Texas. If it's in a crow's mouth. Anyways, I better get back to huffing this gas. <laughs> if it's in a crow's mouth. That's just what they say. Well. <laughs> Stop masturbating, please. Well, not only was Brooks pretty unpopular, he was also kind of an outsider in the Heights, especially compared to Wayne Henley, who had lived in the Heights his entire life. Wayne Henley was trusted. He was a known quantity. Uh, yeah, he was the type of guy who hung out in the parking lot of Long John Silver's a lot. And this is when Long John Silver's was like a real restaurant, like Wendy's used to be back in the day. Oh, Wendy's still is, my friend. <laughs> and we will. That's the most controversial thing that's ever been said on this show. I will defend Wendy's until the day I'm six feet under. And Wayne, he also wasn't the typical, like, he was a nice guy but quiet type like Dean was. He was gregarious. He was popular. He was friends with absolutely everybody. And most importantly, he liked to party. He was the guy yeah. who did a lot of, like, woo! <laughs> yeah! Yeah! yeah. Woo! woo. And they're like, that Wayne's a good guy. Nice, fun guy. <laughs> Now, it may not come as a surprise that the kids in the Heights in the early 70s like to get a little high, and if they had their druthers, they'd go for weed, beer, and lewds, but Police Chief Herman Short was, of course, having none of that, because instead of investing any resources whatsoever into searching for the missing children, which by this point had gotten to be, I'd say, a baker's dozen, uh, or spending any actual time investigating the hundreds of murders that they knew for a fact were happening in the city, Herman Short decided that drug offenses needed to be Houston's top priority. And you want to know, to be honest, when I look at it, it's mostly it's just because it is the easiest way to bust black people and hippies. Absolutely. And that's what they wanted to do all the time. a lot of these municipalities, we've talked about it in previous episodes, the cops are an extension of the tax man. Yeah. So if you want to make some money for your local precincts uh, and your local community, you just, small drug offenses are the way to do it. And it's also getting votes as well because you can actually, because busting people for weed and pills is extremely easy, Right. but solving murder is pretty fucking hard. If you pat down one out of every three people, you're going to find something illegal on them. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Especially Abs- in the Heights in Texas. Yeah, absolutely. And this, this is what one teenager said uh, about the mood at the time with the cops. Jeez, Christ, you rob a bank or beat up an old lady, but if you looked like you were holding dope, it was your ass. Yeah, and that's and I know exactly what that's like. Yeah. 
beating up an old lady or robbing banks? Which one? <laughs> well, no, just being able to fuck up and do anything that you really want. But for right. some reason, holding a fucking dime bag was the worst possible thing you could do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was in, in Florida when I would drive back and forth. I had a girlfriend in Atlanta, and I would drive from Tallahassee to Atlanta. And I had long hair and a beard, like, down down to my chest. Like, it was like, it was fucking, it was awesome. I was, I was awesome. You were morbidly obese. Yes. I think you're trying to paint I, a different picture. Yeah, I think a good, so. I, Actually, when you I were- I was wearing a dashiki. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and when you uh, were doing the hand motions to say how big your beard was, I thought you were going to say <laughs> I had these <laughs> huge tits. I did have huge old, t- big old huge tits. old fucking Pamela's down there, and I was trying. But nice. the cops would pull me over, and like, this is Georgia. You get to a point being like, you know, it's just like the, 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 as soon as. They see that you have long hair. They right. would go through the whole car for weed. Yeah. I would like sit there and wait as they check for weed because that's all they wanted to get. Yeah. It also sounds like a Twilight Zone episode where you get pulled over. You're like, thank God I'm, I'm white. You look in your rear view mirror. You're black. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so these kids, instead of just smoking weed and getting groovy, they turn to the last refuge of teenagers in towns with strict drug enforcement. And I will attest to this, huffing paint. Mm. When kids can't get fucked up, when they can't right. get to weed or beer, at least way back in the day, I don't think paint huffing is that big of a... It's, no, no, it does not go away. Yeah. Huffing <laughs> does not go away. Everybody huffs. I am fairly certain huffing is the only reason that cops is still on the air. Yes. If you ever see an episode where officers arrest somebody who's been huffing paint, it's one of the most phenomenal things you'll ever the see. The tube top is still worn. <laughs> and I feel huffing paint has a lot to do with that. And I did whippets like a year ago. Oh, yeah. No, we yeah. bought so many crackers and things yeah. like that to make whippets. Well, I think they were in the 70s a little, like the social stigma of huff and paint wasn't quite there yes, just yet. Yes, now it's for the true fucking now, bottomed out loser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for botten, yeah. you might say. Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But this is what one kid said about paint huffing. You spray the can <laughs> on the paper back and you stick your nose in and huff a few times and everything's different. You talk funny, you don't know where you're at. Sometimes you hear voices that ain't talking. And when you wake up, you huff again and you can keep all night. One of my friends huffed for a whole day and night and he wasn't hurt a bit. But a 12 year old kid did some acrylics and ran around trying to play football, collapsed and he died. Mm. I guess you can get too much of anything. Even too much of huffing paint and playing football. Yeah, and I was like, I can't believe there's a ceiling to this because it just seems like the yeah. good times never end there, buddy. May, may I ask who, uh, who won the game? What game? The, the football. <laughs> never mind. No. <laughs> Now, Wayne Henley, he was supposed to be a victim you know, of Dean Coral, right. but when Dean Coral met him, he immediately th- saw him, he immediately saw an opportunity here. He immediately saw him like, okay, now this, mm-hmm. this David Brooks kid is okay, but this Wayne Henley, this is the perfect accomplice for me. Was it a lack of sexual attraction to the kid? No, 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 no. no. He wanted nothing. to fuck Wayne Henley and he did. Try, probably tried to. Okay. David Brooks had a more straight up sexual relationship with Dean Coral. Dean, David Brooks was with it, that what Wayne had even said about David Coral, David uh, Brooks was that uh, he was uh, playing gay for pay mm. uh, for Dean Coral. Like mm. Dean Coral was paying a little bit. They were kind of fooling around. Wayne Henley got brought in to be one of their sex partners. He said, no, 
to that. I just like to party. Eventually, like he, but he kept showing up. So Dean Coral was, was like, would hanging out with David Brooks and he, Wayne Henley would kind of hang around because they had weed and booze and they had the pool table and they had like the boys club hanging out and he would be there a lot. Now what we're going to see here is the classic sort of grooming phase. But what I'm going to posit and what we're going to talk about next episode even more so is how a pedophile murderer, someone like John Wayne Gacy, like how Dean Coral does it, grooms mm. his accomplice as well. Basically, he looked to a sea of people and had learned how to look for the, the exact traits that he needed, which mm. is somebody with literally nothing to lose, who was a complete and total burnout that mm. would go ahead and find him a boy for $200. Every yeah. time you said the word groom, I couldn't help but think of how cute a Pomeranian looks with a puppy cut. Hmm. You'd you- be bad in the FBI. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very bad. <laughs> well, I've actually got uh, a sound clip here uh, from an interview with Wayne Henley talking about the exact nature of his relationship with Dean Coral. What did he want you to do? He wanted to pay me to find people and bring them to him. And help him do his thing. And kill him and help him bury him. Did you not pay him? He was going to pay you. How much would he pay you per person? I don't know. He said $1,500 more. He talks about it like it's boring. Well, yeah, well, he has no feelings. Well, if you if you actually see the video clip, he's in the back of a police car with his face in his hands holding a cigarette. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the the actual context of it is a little different. And it's Mm. very soon after he got caught. And of course, he's holding a Marlboro because big tobacco never fails. Tobacco is the problem. This is what I'm saying about it. Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. It's once they switch from girls in bikinis with beach balls and all of a sudden you have snarled loners smoking cigarettes because they're like, let's play to the audience that loves us. <laughs> That's right. That was a specific to the Texas audience. Well, Wayne Henley said that he held off on saying yes to Dean Coral for, I mean, he said he goes between saying he held off for a month to saying that he held off for a year. But in reality, it's more likely for about a month. He's like, ah, I don't think I'm going to bring this guy kids for about $1,500. But it's because wow. the problem is that if he had said no, but we now know that if he had said no, Dean Coral would have killed him. Yeah, Dean Coral definitely would. And there's no telling yeah. how many kids that Dean Coral made this offer to before Wayne Henley finally said yes. And what you're going to look at, this is just sort of him letting out the line. Mm-hmm. He was just letting out the line, letting Wayne kind of figure out, because. but he was definitely going to kill him either way. Like, he was he was Wayne Henley was gonna either he was gonna end up in the fucking boat yeah. shed. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna give him too much credit for willpower. You know, most people go 90 years with never <laughs> delivering a child to a sexual sadist who will then have sex with them or sell them into a sex ring, you know, whatever. Most people just die without doing that. Different strokes for different folks. Oh, I see. That's everybody's right. got you gotta make a everybody's gotta hustle, Ben. Okay. No, so. I think he was only looking for an excuse, and about a month later, he got that excuse because uh, Wayne Henley, like I said earlier, his stepfather left, and so his he had uh, a mom, he had two uh, two uh, brothers, uh, and of course they couldn't. His mother couldn't support all of these kids uh, on her you know meager salary, so Wayne Henley finally had the excuse, oh, I can bring this guy boys uh, and I can make money for my family. But I will also say that that uh, that is a part of what 
shows Wayne Henley's true colors as I think it's exactly the things he gave himself permission. Yeah, right, and up course. until he, at this point is that he had done this, he gave Wayne Henley the same spiel that he gave uh, Brooks, mm-hmm. where he said, we're running heists. So at first they went, they broke into a couple places and stole some things, and then he said, oh, actually I work for this pedophile ring, I work for this <laughs> child slavery ring, yeah. and he was like, okay, kind of like slowly accepting it, until finally he was like, no, nah, I kill him. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I just kill him, and then you have to them then you're too late <laughs> yeah yeah last podcast on the left is sponsored by squarespace squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online thanks squarespace with squarespace it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms don't let anybody tell you what to do this ain't your mama's Website platform? It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses Filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt and not only are you going to get the judge reinhold sitting on the clydesdale entire series clothes and non-clothes what we also are going to offer and i mean this we're trying to get into giraffe rides i brought this up the other day we got to start riding other animals but horses take pictures of the horses photoshop the horses into other celebrities but stop riding them save a horse ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape design, and how best to take care of your plants. I love fast growing trees because i just moved here to los angeles i got a yard now and i'm doing all the landscaping myself i love working in my garden i love planting stuff i love growing stuff and the cool thing about fast growing trees that i really like is that they tell you exactly what type of growing zone you're in i'm in growing zone 10 and they can tell you exactly what type of trees 
or plants or whatever you can put out in front of your house. Uh, I'm looking at the Norfolk Island pine tree. I'm looking at putting a little bit of red sister cordyline up in front of my fence. I think that'll the red will really pop nice. And maybe for the backyard, I got an extra planter that I might put a pl- Satsuma plum tree in. And these prices are reasonable. They're reasonable if you've ever been to a nursery. But right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. It's sports. Prize picks. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor, oh, it's eaten up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Yeah! Toss that rock! Come on, guys! Yeah, pass it around. Get on the excitement with Price Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious caps. Whether it's hula hoops or earring hoops, you're going to know everything you need to know about sports. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Price Picks with as little as four correct picks. Conference tournaments are here, which means the biggest moments in college basketball are getting closer. Basket. Price Picks even offers injury insurance so that your entry stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. I sure wish that Bobby Bonilla was still in the game because I would pick him to go all the way. Can you imagine if Bobby Bonilla played basketball? Woo-wee, dog! Then it would be more like baseball, but Bobby Bonilla would still be crushing it in the contract game. Woo! The deadliest game of all. Download the app today. And use code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Wayne Henley's first lure for Dean Coral was 17-year-old Willard Branch. Wayne said that he and Coral picked up the boy and took him back to Coral's apartment under the guise of all of them getting a little baked for the evening. Think about how much fun mm. that could have been. <laughs> yeah, just getting stoned with a bunch of psychopaths? Yeah, yeah, just Dean Coral just fucking wavering and staring at you the whole time like yeah. you're a fucking lamb flank. Right. Yum, yum, yum. Always going like yum, yum and accidentally spilling like a spice thing on you. Man, uh-oh. <laughs> Better get some of that off. You don't want you, you don't want you smelling like a Thanksgiving dinner, you know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and after everyone got super high, Coral and Hanley, playing out a plan that had been devised beforehand, tricked the boy into putting handcuffs on himself. So John Wayne Gacy. It's, yeah, the, it's, yes. the, it's the rope trick. Yeah, and both Dean Coral right. and Wayne Henley, their little trick was that they had hidden the key in their pocket. So they both went like, hey, look, this handcuff trip. Oh, my God, I mm-hmm. can get out. Both of them. Did. And this kid's like, yeah, man, I can fucking do that. I can get out of them. Let me oh, try. Oh, man, I'm stuck. We- weird. Guys, are you... Oh, that's a cool-looking sled. <laughs> it is. You know, I got to say, other than what happens next, 
It is fun to do when you're stoned. <laughs> we did that. We've played with handcuffed stone and walking around, but that's also three consenting adults doing it right. together, having a good time doing it. Not yeah. about to murder one another. No, just having a good yeah. laugh. One. Yeah. You remember yeah. that one night, and then we, we played with handcuffs, and then we did Bloody Mary? We were like blackout drunk, and then our that buddy Keith came over, and then he passed out in the kitchen, and now he's a physicist. <laughs> By definition, because we were blackout drunk, I do not remember. <laughs> but I think that's a good thing. So this kid, once he was restrained, he was dragged back to Dean Coral's room as Wayne walked out the door. Wayne returned the next day, where Coral, as promised, gave Wayne $200 for his services, and once again assured him, no, no. I did not. Murder that boy. No, mm. no, I did not murder the boy. Actually, you just mixed the, you just missed the sex slave guys. They always at rest here. <laughs> and Barney's hilarious. I wish you could he was telling me this funny story about how this kid yeah. was trying to get out of the van and so he went around him and just fucking shocked him with a cattle prod like you do, you know? Yeah. And then he died of a fucking heart attack right in the van. I was huh. like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, this guy. I was he here just the left. whole time. I was here the whole time. But I didn't Hey, I didn't have you see seen my sled? I got this new <laughs> Oh, is that right? Oh, isn't that something? Any more weed around? <laughs> so H- Henley's next lure would be an actual friend of his from Long John Silver's, a teenager named Frank Aguirre. And after Frank's late night shift at Long John Silver's ended one mm. night, Henley convinced him to come back to Dean's to get a little bit wasted. And Frank trusted his friend and, like the boy before, also got locked into the handcuffs. And Henley claims that at this point he had second thoughts about, you know, selling his lifelong friend into sex slavery. Right. Weird. Yeah. That seems crazy. <laughs> at this point, you're just being like, you know, just you have a job now, Wayne. Right. And the guy who was in the handcuffs was having second thoughts about his career at Long John Silver. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. was overthinking yeah, it. Yeah, Frank was really sick of doing the upsell, telling like, well, if you're going to get the fried cod, then you might as well get the popcorn shrimp. Why wouldn't you? It's, everybody's got different problems at their job. That's right. So... Henley, he said that he tried to convince Coral to not sell the boy into the sex slavery ring. And this is when Coral decided that it was a good time to tell Wayne that actually, you know what, there actually is no boy slavery wing. I'm totally killing these boys. And also, by the way, I also killed that other lifelong friend of yours that went missing last year. And Wayne said, huh, isn't that that something? No shit. So you mean... I've been hoodwinked? <laughs> no was, way. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, and it's true, but then Frank Aguirre, when he, I keep calling it, it's, not, it's Aguirre. Aguirre. Aguirre makes, it sounds like um, that uh, Werner Herzog movie, Aguirre. which is pretty fucking <laughs> it sounds sweet. sounds like a movie. knife that they sell you on QVC that sharps, uh, that can cut through uh, it's a got hammer a, and a really cold steak. It's got a titanium blade for maximum stopping oh, power. Wow. Um, but he is, uh, it. It's very interesting how when Frank Aguirre went missing, they were like, there's no way he's going to be gone because, number one, he he's like a buddy of him owed him 10 bucks right. straight up. And they're like, and Frank's one to never forget alone. Yeah. And then also he had a check waiting for him at Long John Silver's, and he also had a beautiful girlfriend, Rhonda, that was suppo- that was waiting for him to in- ask her to marry him. Yeah, and wow. he also left his, uh, his Rambler, his Dodge Rambler, in the parking lot of Long John Silver's. So I think we can all agree the big winner of the story, Rhonda. <laughs> Holy hell, what kind of life would that have been? But we're going to find out that Rhonda didn't exactly win in this scenario uh, because right. sometimes a good way to get a girlfriend is to kill the boyfriend of the girl that you want to date. I've seen that. I've heard yes. of that before. It yeah. was in the pickup artist, Absolutely. wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. This is, and this is also, but actually at this 
time, for some reason, it was revealed, like, not only did he kill Frank Aguirre, not only did I kill that boy before, I also killed David Hillegeist as well. Uh, Wayne didn't go to the police at all. He didn't tell anybody about this. According to Wayne, he, quote-unquote, really hit it off with Dean because he said that Dean was clean-cut, he was smart, he mm. was nicely dressed. He said that Dean listened to him, explained things to him, uh, and he would stay completely loyal for another year until Dean's death. Now, so, this is the other thing, too, is that I on last podcast on the left, I think we always talk about this. None of us believe in Sven, Svengali's. No. I don't believe that somebody can have such a mystical power over somebody that they would never betray them. I think Wayne Henley was in there because he finally had the permission to be the career criminal that he always wanted to be. And now he's like a real Texas outlaw. Like, you get to go and you're roving in this pack of dudes that have, like, a secret. And he's also never had a real father. Like, his father beat the shit out of him. So he only has his dad he can like, that he can be his henchman to, and mm. he likes being a henchman because he gets all the booze and weed that he wants, and he gets to go around and kind of hold this thing over the head over everybody in town. He's somebody special now. Mm -hmm. I do like the booze and weed part, but I think if Dean would have taught him how to install shower curtain rings, he also would have done that for a living. Yes. Like, don't <laughs> you think? Is, yes, Dean you know, a lot of power. He needed was, a father figure. Right. So, but Dean could have not let him into the child murder yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. He could have taught him how to make pralines. Oh, great. I love a good praline. Absolutely. You could have taught him how to make chainsaw ice sculptures out in the middle of Montana. That would have been lovely. You know, a lot of snow in Texas. Custom so. furniture. Yeah. yeah. Anything else. There's a lot of options here besides boy murder. Me. Most other, yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah, much yeah. anything else. There's a lot of options. Yeah. You always remember that. If you think you have no other option but boy murder, you could do get into hosting a podcast. <laughs> Boom. Why not? Now, around the time that Wayne Henley was added to the duo of Brooks and Coral, Dean turned 30 years old. And Dean had a bit of a quarter-life crisis. Oh this is a God. thing that we don't really talk about with Dean Quarrell because there's not much known really about him because, you know, because he died before he was even convicted of any of these crimes or talked about these crimes. But that that was a thing that was very interesting. He was very concerned with his age. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And, and how he looked and how he dressed. And he was always talking with Wayne and, and Brooks about, like, do I look old? Like, okay. how do I look? He was, like, obsessed with being being a child. That's a part of the pedophile mentality is that you also view yourself because your sexuality stopped when like Michael Jackson we're, gonna, we're not going to do this again no, Michael Jackson a wasn't a pedophile he enjoyed kids a lot I mean, he wanted to show them the childhood he never had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're he not doing it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean he, he was like a close friend of him. You he had know? a pet so. monkey that he put a diaper on and he hung out with all day long. <laughs> Bubbles, the monkey. Yes, Bubbles was yeah. a friend. He went to the Grammys with Bubbles. He yeah. had a carousel with his face on all the horses. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> <laughs> but Dean Coral views himself almost as a young kid. It's like a 15, 16 year old kid. Right, exactly. And the the hitting 30 was a big thing. It was a big thing for all of us. Yeah, yes, yeah. it was. And the only in fact the only thing that you never never mentioned when you were hanging out with Dean Coral, you never mentioned his age. And you never mentioned trombones. Ooh, I'm mad just thinking about trombones myself. And I never, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, trombones make me mad. What's wrong with the trombone? They got puffy ear or puffy uh, cheeks coming out of them and everything. There? I think it's a dumb instrument. Oh, no. it's not a dumb instrument. It's a big band instrument. All the, all the only thing can do is appropriately is the sounds of erections going up and going down. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> that is all I can do. It's a slide whistle. It is a glorified slide whistle. I well, love trombones. Everyone loves trombones. <laughs> but the reason 
why he hated to, you know, because kids would give him shit because that's all he did in high school, remember? All he did was make pralines, uh, make squirrel jewelry, mm-hmm. and play the trombone all day long. All day fucking long, candy and trombones. Which is very easy oh. to make fun of. Yeah. So after 30, Coral withdrew almost completely from the adult world. He only interacted with people other than teenagers when he was at work and even the people that he worked with didn't have a hell of a whole lot to say about him. The most one of them had to say about him was, uh, now I know where a lot of our nylon cord went. That's really mm. funny, Daniel. Now will you <laughs> yeah. please, please get back to stocking those shelves. That's a good Texas joke. <laughs> and the only other thing that stuck out in their mind was a conversation that that same employee had had with Dean about the war. Uh, and when the conversation tor- turned toward the act of killing an enemy, Dean said, want to kill one, the rest Come easy. Is that what Dean sounded like? I don't think that's what Dean Coral sounded like. I just imagine with like you know like a curly Q like hairstyle in the front of him, like a weird curl plastered to his that. forehead. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. I think someone posted on the Facebook page being like, "Dean Coral's kind of hot." It's like. No, he didn't. He had like a skeleton like stare. Like he couldn't blink. No, he's not hot. There's nothing no. hot about <laughs> yeah. Dean Coral. No, he was absolutely terrible. But yeah, he talked about killing all the time, yeah, but he yeah. served in Vietnam and he didn't do a goddamn thing in Vietnam. Yeah, well, I mean, he was talking about killing boys, right. but yes. the coworker assumed that he was talking about Vietnam. Uh, but outside of work, Dean's entire world revolved around Wayne and David. One boy said... Nobody ever knew him except David and Wayne. Nobody ever talked about him or asked about him. No one ever would ever say, oh, have you seen Dean lately? Because Dean didn't matter. Hmm. And that's a really interesting thing when the man with the candy also said, with the three of them together, is that it was uh, what's three multiplied by zero. Yeah. It was three zeros. It was Hmm. three people that kind of flitted in and out of society. And it's also very interesting because Dean Coral's behavior sort of reminds me of, um, from been to like a, like, like a club, it's like it's like Mm-mm. that kind of no, a, never have. But you know what I mean. Like when you go to a club and you go and there's like a guy sitting in the back in like sunglasses that nobody knows, but then for some reason it's like it's all in his dime. Like when you hang out right. with like actors mm. and shit, they're like, oh, that's McGuire over there. But like, don't talk to McGuire. And I'm just like, well, what does McGuire do? And he's just like. He does. Yeah. He <laughs> slips like, out the back door without paying the bill. But he's yeah, he's like paying for everything. He's one of those guys. He become yeah. he fancied himself now like a party host kind of, and he would come and yeah. mix various people together like it was the fucking Andy Warhol's factory, and it would stimulate conversation. But really. He was making a rape right. a rape thing. Well, that was the thing about Dean is that no one even said that Dean was enigmatic. No. Like no one, abs- absolutely no one even cared about him uh, to the point where Dean, Wayne, and uh, David, they would spend their afternoons going to Long John Silver's, <laughs> hanging out with all the junior high kids. And right. they would only hang out with the junior high kids. That's got to be creepy as fuck. Were there any other restaurants? Yeah, that was a fried chicken place. Oh, okay. Long John Silver's is the nice one with the booths. <laughs> oh, I see. With the springs in the seats and yeah. things. And Jack Olson, again from The Man with the Candy, he put it absolutely perfectly. He said, to most people in the Heights, the odd trio was seen only as a hawk is sometimes seen in the woods. 
a quick silhouette or a subliminal shadow swiftly past. But it also mm. illustrates something about young, like young guys, right? They were just going to where the party was. They're going where the booze and weed was. They didn't care who was fucking throwing the party. They were showing right. up because they heard there was a guy that had a fucking pool table and probably as many pralines as you could stomach. <laughs> so many pralines. <laughs> and yeah. like, but like weed and huff and paint and all this stuff that you like, he's got, and you just show up and use it. They yeah. were just using him, but they didn't know that it was a gigantic honey trap. And then there was a room that just was full of trombones, and if you paid two bucks, you got to go destroy all of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun. I mean, the, the phrase that just kept coming up again and again when they asked these kids about Coral and Henley and Brooks, they kept saying, who gives a shit? You know, because they'd say that they'd be hanging out, and Dean, would he'd only talk to uh, Wayne and David, and he'd say some sort of weird cryptic remark. Huh, and that all- reminds me of that one time I raped that boy. What was that? <laughs> and they all be like, ha, 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 like laughing like huh. it's a joke. And they're like, huh, anyways. Like back to just being like, oh, mash is on. Huh. Nah, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah. And, and they would just, you know, they'd only talk, really talk to each other. Uh, and these kids, you know, they'd say like, who gives a shit? And mostly they didn't give a shit was because they threw these sick-ass parties that everyone had a good time at. And they also, mm. they had varying degrees of partying. They had pretty much two different kinds of partying. There was the 12 to 14 party that was candies and sodas. So they had Ugh. the little X on their hands. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they had the straight edge parties. Right. Uh, but once the kids hit 15, it was grass, pills, booze, glue, and paint. Uh, it was the absolute perfect trap but mm. not all the boys were invited. Close friends of Wayne, who'd known him for his entire life, were almost never invited. And in fact, the parties were mostly populated by boys that they hardly knew. But again, as the same kid said, who gives a shit? It's really right? true. Now, I remember this one quote from the man with the candy. He said, he was like, yeah, it's like Wayne was always talking about these parties. He had all free booze and weed stuff. He's like, he's like he never invited me, but... I could throw the same kind of party in the back of my car. <laughs> he literally yeah, was just like, yeah, he was just yeah. like, just, just as content. And I almost envy that. Yeah, that yeah, just yeah. being like, you could go and have a great time just getting hammered in the back of a car it's back not, in the no, day. No, it's I not do. that great a time. That was how my <laughs> high school was. It, it, no, it, was. it, it, it wasn't that great of a you time. You enjoy yourself? No, you would party in the back and then you would open up the back door, walk to the front. And be like, that was a hell of a party. Ooh, hell yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, let's go home. Thank huh? God that one's over. <laughs> Man, let me take those keys from you. I don't think you're a little bit too drunk to drive. And it's just like, Donald, uh, you don't have any shoes on and, you're fucking, and your shirt's in tatters. So it's like, you know uh, what? You better take the keys. I'm too drunk to drive. High school, huh? Move <laughs> on! Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around. It's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hot Hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some chai. Texas Pete sriracha sauce. And I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of chai. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete 
sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. You're going to get a kiss in there. There's mystery, danger, and romance as you search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. Watch out for those sidewalks. They are covered in urine. And customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Oh, how I love the 1920s. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do of another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Uh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine, that's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then... I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you could do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer it's, of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But, a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and we might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. So more and more kids are disappearing. And some people are starting to notice. And I think what this is, is that I think, you know, Wayne Henley uh, was in these groups of kids and they're like, hey, Frank, where the fuck did Frank go? You know, Dave, where the, where the fuck did Dave go? Right. And so what they got these kids to start doing, it was the same technique that Leonard Lake and Charles Ng used, uh, where they got these kids to write letters to their parents. And, and I also, I have an example of one of the letters that I will read. Mom, I'm sorry I left like I did, but I got a better job working on a truck loading and unloading from Houston to Washington. We should be back within three or four weeks. I'll either call you or see you then. Love, Johnny. 
I mean, what was he doing before if that's the better job? <laughs> Long John Silver. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, that is a better job. But the Never way mind. You, but a lot of the but shit, it's like it wouldn't work out because it would sound like out of character for the person totally, writing the letter. Totally forced. The handwriting would a lot of times be really shaky and weird. That's what they say. They were mm. like, it didn't look like my son's writing. And, and then also, and then one father's been like, no, no, no. They never hire somebody to unload and load a truck. It's like you there are yeah. unloaders and there are loaders. And then mm. there are drivers. You don't take some you don't take your loader and unloader from, you know, Washington DC back to Houston. Like that you don't got, make truck sense. It well, doesn't. And I know truck logic. All right, you keep a hamburger in the glove compartment in case you need to distract a dog. You keep a gun in your shoe in case you're getting raped next to a highway. And you always keep a mannequin head in the capacitor seat so you can quit when you so you can kiss it when you miss your wife. That is kind of nice to do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So what actually what happened with this letter writing uh, is that it really actually did work as far as you know sitting the law off of the trail of Dean Coral and Wayne Henley because this one family, their son was gone for about a week. They called up the Houston PD and reported him missing. Uh, and when they got this letter in, they're like, this letter is, you know, this is absolutely like, th- this doesn't sound like him at all. Let's take this to the police as evidence that he, something fishy's going on here. Uh, but the police, when they talked to, when the family talked to missing persons, they said, oh, you've heard from him? Mm-hmm. All right, well, we're going to take him off the missing persons list. So that didn't work at all. That, it had the it opposite was the effect. absolute yeah. opposite effect. Uh, as far as murder method went, some boys were strangled. Others were shot. Some got both. One kid was shot in the chest and left to bleed to death in Dean's bathtub. Another got a bullet in the head from Wayne that entered his forehead <clears throat> and came out his ear. The boy survived and came to a few minutes later and was only able to get out the words, Wayne, please don't. And that was before Wayne and Dean strangled him to death together. Another boy was accidentally shot in the jaw and bled out all day as he was tortured before Dean finally strangled him to death. Well, that was a very interesting thing, too. Brooks talked about that specific murder where Wayne didn't mean to shoot him, where Wayne came in and was fucking around with a, with a gun, like, laughing and yelling. They were, like, joking around with each other in front of two guys. They're all tied up, and the gun just went off and blew the guy's jaw off, which yeah. really must have distracted Dean Coral because he's like, I can't rape this boy. He looks like <laughs> Gina Davis from Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's sort of a workplace accident where you're in the child killing business (laughs) well one boy mark scott tried to fight back and with one arm tied behind his back he grabbed a knife and swung it at dean he barely broke the skin he almost got him but that was before wayne pointed a pistol in his face mark gave up dropped the knife and was immediately choked to death by dean and this is this right here is very telling because you'd think that the kid who tried to fight back, the kid who showed some resistance, you'd think that Dean would take pleasure in torturing that boy in particular. But rather, he was the only boy that Wayne killed immediately before it's very, torturing. It's very interesting um, with Dean Coral because Wayne says this after the fact, which you're going to he- hear now some details about the torture, which, is, which are pretty fucking rough. But Dean Coral, apparently when he was doing these... Uh, actions he would he would literally be like i love you he loved these boys for allowing him to get the these impulses out of him it was very um 
upsetting. The mm. more he liked the boy, the longer the boy stayed alive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, so, like a kid would be like, "I'm really happy I ate that last or ate that last sandwich or drank his last beer because now I'm going to die in four hours." As opposed to the kid who let it be in the fridge. So for yeah, yeah, yeah. Always be sassy to a guy yeah. holding a party because you never want you know when he's going to kill him. It's just like that's me. It's just like I that's make right. a lot of friends really easily. Man, I don't. I wouldn't want to been on that sled. You'd be a, <laughs> seven, seven, seven days. They would have kept you alive. Pee in a potted plant or something immediately. You make him laugh though, and then. Yeah, you'll become an assistant. <laughs> yeah. Well, one kid, actually, he almost escaped through a kind gesture by David, who was like, hey, guy, why don't we get you out of here? Why don't we take you home? But the kid, when David was about to drop him off at his house, he wouldn't get out of the car. Mm. He said, no, man. I, I want, want to keep partying. I want to party, man. Let's go back to Dean's. Let's go back to Dean's. And finally, David Brooks was like, fuck it. All right. He took him back and... Dean killed him. Oh my God. Yeah. It's always always leave earlier than you think. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> That's yep. the other thing, too. You don't always have to be the last guy at the party. No. That's what I also say. It's yeah. sometimes cool to leave early. Yeah. Because yeah, it shows yeah. you got other things to do. And also, sometimes you don't get tortured to death. Right. I think the last guy at all these parties was uh, never left. They just never left. Yeah. They yeah. stayed there forever. Yeah. Now, the method of ending the life that these people used was fairly standard strangle or shoot, but the methods of torture varied wildly when police searched dean's house the first thing they found was an 18 inch double dildo they also found extremely thin glass rods that coral had stolen from houston power and lighting wayne said that dean would shove them in his victim's urethras and snap them off inside he would also pull out pubic hairs either with his fingers or pliers and perhaps most disturbingly he chewed off the genitals of one boy who had made him particularly angry and police said when they found the actual penis in balls in the mass grave they could tell that it had been ripped off in one Now, do you think hmm. that then uh, the police officer then turned to the other guy and said, like, that guy should have had a Snickers? <laughs> yeah, I think that was right. He was actually Marilyn Monroe, but he was cranky. Um, that's rough. Yeah. yeah. You oh. know, I mean, that's how, think about how mad you have to be. I mean, to, like. To gnaw off a boy's genitals? You know when I could see it? Have you ever been on the bank? Like on the phone of the bank, and then you know that they're fucking with you at the computer, and they know you know they just have to press a couple of buttons, and they could get rid of all your debt, or they could really fix your problem. Like they put a hold in your card for some reason. You know they just have to go control alt delete, and then all of a sudden your, your problems are over. So the thing that gets you upset enough to gnaw off the genitals of a boy is a mundane activity that all of us all of us go through. Inconvenient customer <laughs> right. service calls. That's it. That's it. Everyone goes through that. Otherwise, I'm easy breezy. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Now the victims' mouths were usually taped. But Dean would sometimes blast his radio to drown out any sounds that might be made in the commission of his crimes. In case you're curious, the biggest hits of 1973 included Crocodile Rock by Elton John, Frankenstein by the Edgar Winter Group, and the surprise return of the Monster Mash to the top of the charts and- June of 1973. Uh, the last damn. one kind of fits to the uh, theme, I guess. But can you imagine just being next door to Dean and hearing, like, who do the mash? Who did the mash? I'm having some kind of Halloween party earlier over there. Hey, hey, Jessica, 
Let's get our vampire costumes and go over there to hang out. I like an early Halloween party. <laughs> now, if you're wondering how so many boys could possibly enter one single house, never to exit again, well, the reason why none of this stuff really ever came out and why nobody ever thought anything about Dean, why he had no police record whatsoever, he moved Constantly, He averaged five to six addresses per year mm. from 1968 to 1973. But some of these apartments did have a couple of warning signs. One apartment had four bullet holes in the front door, which the maintenance man repaired without question. Yeah, that's just a, that's a Texas doorknob, isn't it? <laughs> Honestly, though, it seems like of all places, Texas, that would be easily explainable. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, I mean, more than most, especially in Houston with one of the highest gun ownership rates in the nation at the time. Yeah. And a neighbor at a different house, he noticed that Dean spent a lot of time on his balcony with his binoculars watching children in the neighborhood. The same neighbor also once mm. watched as... Dean Coral, David Brooks, and Wayne <laughs> Henley danced around in the parking lot with a boa constrictor, now that, taking turns kissing it. That must have been fun. <laughs> and you know, but neighbors said yeah. they said that about they were watching him, watching them do this stuff, and they're like, you know, I'm, I just kind of they assumed that they all lived together. Mm -hmm. It's like I just kind of assumed they all kind of were a bunch of boys, a bunch of roommates, like living together. And it's like, and I didn't really think anything was weird until they started kissing snakes. Yeah, and that was pretty damn queer. <laughs> the boa constrictor—that's that's not the strangest thing they've done, not yeah. by far. No, they killed a bunch of boys. Right. Yeah, that's the that's the part <laughs> that's that really gets weird, me going. Yeah, that's the weird stuff. If they stopped at the boa constrictor, I think they were a fairly fun-loving group of friends. Yeah, if they were a boa constrictor, then they're just a step away from the guy with the mesh shirt with the trench long. It down on Coney Island, That's just exactly walk around right. for attention. Totally. The guy with a cat in his head. Why not? <laughs> that, that man will charge you five dollars to take his picture. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I got yeah. yelled at once. <laughs> but the apartment where Dean would do most of his killing would be his very last 2020 Lamar Street in Pasadena, Texas, in his father's old house. We'll pick back up next time mm. with the last days of Dean Coral and the discovery of the bodies of 29 boys. Mm. 18 of which were killed in one year. God. What a monster. He's a tyrant and a terrible person. I got to okay. say, I'm, well, let's, I'm not going to you know, do anything, say anything too bad about the victims, but you know, a lot of those boys were not going to turn out to be anything great. Well, that's well, actually, uh, well, actually, uh, that is, that was Wayne Henley's exact justification. Right. Isn't for that it. fucked up? Yeah. That's, that was, yeah. that's what Wayne, <laughs> that's exactly well, what Wayne Henley said during his confession. He said, oh, you know, all them boys, they, losers. he's like, well, they wasn't any good. No one's really going to miss them anyway. So, uh, yeah, we're just. Fuck it. Who cares? Well, There's that's a not right. They had a bright future ahead of them. This is the greatest country on earth, and you can be poor, you can grow up poor, and then you can be president one day. I'm well, sorry. Your monocle fell off. Yes. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's something. Well, I mean, for the most part, he was right. Uh, as far from what I can tell from my research, there were, out of the 29 boys that were missing, five, maybe six families put any effort into looking for him. No, they right. just assumed they all ran off. Yeah. Everybody or just they were, and a lot of them were happy. They're like, well, you know, I don't got to deal with that little piece of shit no more. It is, um, it's a rough story. Mm. Yeah, it's a real rough story, and it's only going to get rougher next episode. All right, so that's part three of Dean Coral. Uh, how exciting. I want to give is. some thank yous real quick. Yeah. Uh, thanks, first of all, to research assistant Sammy Coughlin for all of her hard work on this episode. She really bit the bullet on a couple of these uh 
couple of these sexual sadist stuff. Uh, she's the one that found that clip uh, of the pedophile at the very See, beginning. Oh, so. We had watched a documentary back in the day, and yeah. I didn't remember it until I had rewatched it, because you said that clip in the outline, and then I rewatched the whole documentary, and I was on a plane... And that was fun. <laughs> and I was literally on a plane watching this with it, and they were talking about all the sexual. Like literally, a woman with a baby kept walking past me and like looking at me like I was a monster. <laughs> because you are a monster. I was researching. She was accurately looking at you. I would also like to say thank you to Jen Place and Aaron Thomas for the jars of Ted Kaczynski brand revenge pickles. Ooh. Which uh, I already, I already had one jar. They are absolutely delicious. You uh, ate a whole jar on you your own a, yeah, in did. one sitting. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. It was great. It was dinner, oh. pickle dinner. You guys, oh, God help you guys know? You guys God never? Help. You guys no, never had no, pickle no, dinner? No, it's no, not a thing, Marcus. No, it's pickle, not a thing. Pickle dinner is totally a thing. No, no, no. no, no. I'm not a bone laden lizard, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, things are going a little different in life than they have been. So. Pickle dinner's the way we're living these nah, days. Man, you're free. That's what you are, man. <laughs> yeah. That means you're free. We record in a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love pickles. Also want to thank Tom Bacon uh, for the wall-mounted deer antlers uh, that he sent me, which I will mount above the door to my room to ward off evil spirits. Hell yeah. And definitely thank you to Aaron and Georgia who crocheted us Three little Cthulhu's. They're That's pretty amazing. cute, yeah. and also little Cthulhu's. Holly Super Carton, cute. Holly Carton. We got the uh, the print of the H. H. Holmes house diagram that you sent, oh. and it's fucking incredible. It, it is should, amazing. If you could get that, if you could buy that puzzle, buy the if, if you're into it, buy the puzzle. The details on it are insane. Yeah, it's really fucking cool. Yeah, it's a yes. beautiful piece of art. And yeah, anybody out there that's looking, just yeah, just type in. I think probably H. H. Holmes murder castle print, and it'll come. Up. It'll be the first thing on Google. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Definitely go pick one up if you can. Yeah, thank you so much. It's beautiful. Mm, it's it, very, is. it is. Now, make sure you follow us on Instagram at LP on the left. It's fun. Mm-hmm. That's right. You can also follow Henry Zabrowski on Twitter at Henry Loves You. Marcus Parks is at Marcus Parks, and I'm at Ben Kissel. Actually, go ahead and follow me on Instagram. I use Whoa. Instagram more than anything else. Now these he's days. doing it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this is funny. I yeah. don't know the password. I, I lost my password, and I can't find it. Huh. <laughs> so I, I, I just I'm stuck to Twitter and, and Facebook. I'm at Marcus Parks on Instagram. <laughs> huh. Please, please, please go follow me. It's fun. It's I'm a, fun. I'm at Ben Kissel one. It's just bagels and dogs. You That's literally have like seven on. pictures, and then like one is like of a tombstone, like an empty tombstone that you said insert quote here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of exciting. Uh, and go, uh, f- go check out my new uh, music show, The Lucky Bone Show. That's right. And uh, check out all the shows that Marcus and I do. The Roundtable of Gentlemen with Holden and Eddie and Jackie and Kevin Barnett. You'll love that. Uh, Abling and Top Pat for politics. It's very fun. Continue on with the sociopathic themes that we touch on here on last podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And t- uh, check out my character special on Netflix, March 11th. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we'll see everyone in Baltimore. We sold the fuck out. I Woo! can't believe it. Yeah, awesome. We, yeah. We sold out the show. Uh, so... Yeah, man. This is fucking great. We'll see all y'all in Baltimore on uh, March 5th. And it's going to be fucking sweet. This Saturday, we have our live show right here at the Creek. Yep. yep. Yeah. And yeah. I'll be here for that fucking shit. Yes. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, go to creeklsc.com to get all of the details for the next yeah. live show. Hail Satan. And the Patreon page, of course. Yeah. Of Thank course. you guys yeah, so yeah. much for all that you have given yeah. to us. Thank you so fucking much. It's amazing. How you? All right. Hail yourselves. Make gustalations. Yes, please. Make gustalations. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. 
At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One. Because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25.